Welcome back everyone to Inside Marketing Design. This here is the last episode of season one of Inside Marketing Design. Throughout this first season, we've learned about the inner workings of marketing design in 10 different tech companies. And what I wanna do for this last episode, and I kinda wanna make this a thing throughout the last episode of every season to come, is to take a look back on these interviews, on what we've learned about these companies, pull out common threads, things I personally have learned and maybe even changed about my own design process from hearing uh, things spoken about by other designers. So that'll be what this episode is, a bit of a recap, an overview, and a look at what we've learned in season one of Inside Marketing Design. Okay, so the very first thing that stood out to me throughout this season with all of the calls that I've been getting on is just how many of us are marketing design teams of one. The majority of my guests were the only marketing design on their team, or perhaps they were one of just a few designers. It seems that marketing design within tech companies is usually done with a very small team. We get a lot done with very few resources, let's say that. This was really common, obviously, in the smaller companies that were featured as part of the series, but I was really surprised to find it also was true of the biggest company in season one, which was Panasonic. They've got tens of thousands of people in the company, and yet Steph, the marketing designer that we talked to in episode six of season one, is still the only marketing designer on her team. And even though there are many other designers within Panasonic in general, uh, on the Lumix team, where Steph is, she's the only designer and very much operates like uh, on her own rather than as part of a wider design team. This feeling of being by yourself and you know being the only person doing your job on your team uh, is honestly what led to me creating the series in the first place, because I have been the solo marketing designer on a team for so long, I think for the past five and a bit years of my career, that's just been the way it has been for me. And it definitely gets like a little bit lonely sometimes, you know? So um, I hope that maybe if you are in a similar situation, this show has given you what it's given me. And it is a feeling of like, we are all in this together, even though we're all in different companies, we're all like little teams of one dotted throughout this tech world we're all making big things happen and uh, you never know what other companies might be struggling with the same like resource constraints that you are this was often brought up in the challenges section you know in every episode i'll ask about the challenges the designer faces being a team of one was often mentioned as a tough thing that they had to deal with and i get it because it is the same for me as well it's tough on us for different reasons sometimes but it is a thing that we're all having to deal with Something that kind of made me feel better about this whole situation of being a team of one, and I don't know if it had the same impact on you too, maybe, was in episode nine, where Adam from Basecamp talked about the fact that uh, at their company, being a team of one and being able to get it all done yourself from the writing, the design, the building, all the things, that team of one is kind of like their secret source into how they're able to be so efficient and get so much work done. There isn't like handovers needing to happen or discussions about who's gonna take on what project or whatever. That like minutiae, I guess, is uh, cut out and um, you can just focus on the work. So I don't know, I've been kind of seeing my role in that way lately where I'm like, okay, I'm a team of one, but also I'm getting a heck of a lot done by myself. Um, and that's really powerful. Something else that was really common amongst a lot of the companies that I talked to, and I think because 
so many of us are teams of one is outsourcing though as well. A lot of companies that we spoke to outsource for design help sometimes. I know Moneybox mentioned it, Panasonic, Contentful as well. Um, and I think a few others mentioned outsourcing to freelancers for, for some work. It's something that we do at ConvertKit as well, as I talked about in the first episode. One, I was really excited to hear that other companies do outsource to freelancers as well. It kind of made me feel a bit better about, you know, the fact that we do that and the fact that I can't handle all of the work by myself, despite being a marketing design team of one. And uh, the interesting thing for me was that a lot of the work we outsource seems to be kind of similar, where it's stuff that's either highly specialized, so like we're going to outsource an illustrator for an illustration project, that sort of thing, or it's going to be more routine production work. So Steph at Panasonic outsources a lot of like the Amazon image layout resizing stuff because it's like, you know, a very repetitive thing with like set sizes and a very like clear process to follow. That seems to be the kind of work that is outsourced by designers who are in-house on marketing teams. So I don't know, if you're a freelancer listening to this, perhaps you can think of that as a potential, you know, new client stream. There's a lot of companies out there with marketing designers who are by themselves and who could greatly benefit from having some of the more like production side of their work uh, taken off their plate. It would allow them more time to focus on the bigger stuff and moving the brand forward. So I don't know, just an idea. Another thing that was really interesting for me is how varied this marketing design role is throughout different companies. I guess that throughout my career, my role has been very similar in each of the different companies that I've worked at in the tech industry as a marketing designer. So maybe that's what contributed to me being so surprised uh, at so many differences hearing, you know, between these roles. There was some designers who I spoke to who didn't even design for the company website, which is like the main thing that I do at my job and uh, as I have done in my past marketing design roles as well. That was really interesting to me. Some designers focus more on like graphic ad assets than focusing on the web. For some, the work is a little more prescriptive, I guess, than others who maybe have a lot more autonomy within a team. Um, that was just really interesting to me and is a reminder that just because someone's role is the same as yours, they're a designer on a marketing team, it doesn't mean what they do on that team is exactly the same. So it's been really interesting to find out all those differences throughout this series. I remember being really surprised when talking to Grace from Contentful, especially when uh, it came out throughout the episode that her team as the brand design team didn't handle the company website. That was like a different team within the company. Whereas, you know, for me at ConvertKit, as the marketing designer, the website is the main thing that I work on. I don't know. It's just really interesting the way different companies choose to split things up. Another thing that kind of surprised me, honestly, was how few designers that I interviewed throughout season one mentioned metrics or like, you know, could name goals that they are, are aiming for as a marketing team and what, you know, their work is contributing to. Obviously everyone is contributing in general to growing the business, improving the brand, um, but very few could name metrics or like focused on that as part of part of their role. Of course, perhaps not every company is as open as ConvertKit. And so uh, maybe not everyone could speak to specific numbers that they're aiming for and that sort of thing. And that might've been a part of it. But um, yeah, I was, I was still quite surprised at um, the fact that there was a lack of ownership of metrics, I suppose, throughout marketing designers. I think that as an industry as a whole, this is an area where we can all improve, you know, um, taking an interest in the business side of things, in what our work is doing and producing for the company 
And, you know, getting involved in that, being interested in that will only make us better at our jobs. Uh, at least that's what I've found for me in particular. Now, like I alluded to in my introduction at the very start of this episode, there have been a few things that I've learned from designers as I've interviewed them from the series where I've taken on things that they've told me about and actually implemented them as part of my own personal design process, made changes based on, you know, things they were saying. I'm going to share with you what those things are for me, but this is something that I would love to hear from you as well. If there's anything you learned throughout listening to season one of Inside Marketing Design that made you approach something differently, even if you tried it out and it didn't work, I don't know. I want to hear if there was any ways that it sort of changed your mind or your process. So reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram. I am at Charlie Prangley on there and I would love to hear about it. For me, one of the biggest things is actually writing copy. A few designers talked about this. Johnny from Webflow, Adam from Basecamp talked about uh, writing real copy as part of their wireframes. Before this, I was not using lorem ipsum, but I was using like placeholder content. I would say like a heading about email marketing, you know, that would be what I would write in the heading space to signify to the copywriter what was going to go there, which I think is definitely more useful than Laura Mipsum. But both Johnny and Adam talked about taking the time to write real copy and how that can like help with your design process as well, you know, uh, and that it's a skill that as designers we should be able to build. And uh, yeah, I agree with them. So I took that on board. And ever since I interviewed Johnny, actually, I've been trying to write out copy in my wireframes. So when I'm presenting a wireframe to my team to look at, they are reading copy. It's not like the final copy because the copywriter didn't write it, I did. But I think it's helped us to gain context better on the wireframes. Um, definitely helped me to better figure out the page structure as well. Like in thinking about how much should be written about each point. Um, because I'm actually sitting there and trying to work it out and trying to write it myself. I've had really good feedback from Danny, the copywriter that I work with, that my copy has actually been really good. And there's like sometimes where she makes very minimal changes to it, which is like very flattering. And I feel really proud of myself because of that. So yeah, that's been one major way that I think my design process has changed uh, after interviewing people in this series. Another thing I really liked learning about was the Vulcan mind meld that Grace talked about in episode three, where when someone new joins her team, she will spend like the first 60 days or so, like really, really together with them, like going over everything in detail. And it feels very like over the top, but that because of that time investment in like working really closely together, that person will then have a better understanding of like why Grace is saying to do something that way and they'll just be much more aligned in their working together going forward. Now, I haven't had anyone new join my team lately, but I have learned from this the importance of explaining why when you're giving feedback. So um, I've been trying to do this with you know, other people I've been working with on the team, explaining why I'm giving that feedback and why I think it should be done this way. I've done this when working with our video producer, you know, giving feedback on why I think a certain thing should change in a video. I've given it to Corey on page builds, telling him why I'm asking for this extra space between these two sections, you know. And I feel like taking the time to explain why I want a certain thing changed will help that person to like, do things differently in future, perhaps, and be looking out for those sorts of things themselves. What else was there? I really liked how Adam at Basecamp talked about producing a shippable draft and how they never get to a point where the page is like finished. It's like, okay, this can go out at any time because it's got copy, it's got imagery. It won't be great. We'd like to spend a bit more time on it, but it could go out now if needed. Um, I've been trying to take that approach 
And so I've been doing some illustrations for a bunch of different web pages lately at ConvertKit where I want to take my time to get them right. But first I just get like something basic in there that could be potentially fine if need be. Like if I ran out of time, the thing would exist. And uh, so far I've never had to use those initial versions. Like I've never run out of time enough to warrant having to do that. But I feel like it has helped me to process my ideas quicker and to perhaps move a little faster uh, as well, just taking this approach. And there's just two more things I wanna mention that I perhaps haven't implemented yet, but that I know I absolutely need to. One is documenting my design process. The designers Anais and Steven from Doist talked about doing this. They're a marketing design team of two and uh, they need to be able to understand each other's design decisions, right? So they're getting good at documenting their process and documenting different decisions they've made. As a team of one currently, there's not real need for me to do that, but I could see that need changing in the future and I wanna be prepared for when that happens, you know. There is just so many things about my designs that just lives in my head and uh, it's gonna be a long process, I think, to get them all down on paper, so I might as well start now. Um, so that's one thing that I'm going to do. And then another thing that I think I need to do is take a bit of a different approach to testing. Adam at Basecamp, I learned a lot from Basecamp, can you tell? Um, but he talked about the fact that when you just test little tweaks and little things, you're only ever gonna find the local maximum. And the perhaps testing is better when you're testing two completely different things, um, rather than testing like, I don't know, the font on this button sort of thing. Out of all the companies that I spoke to, Basecamp in particular, I, I really got a sense that they are not following anyone else's best practices. You know, they are leading the way with what they do. They are making things up for themselves. They're doing things that perhaps like best practices would advise against. Like Adam talked about the website, marketing website for hey.com when it first launched was just a letter. It wasn't like explaining all the features and things like that. It was a letter explaining their mission. And that is not something that all of the, you know, advice websites or even myself recommend when talking about making a marketing site. But they decided to go that way because they felt it would be best for their brand. And I loved hearing that. And it's something that I want to do more of is making sure that I'm not just copying best practices that other people have said are good, but I'm thinking out my own ideas and trying to like lead away and lead my own pathway into marketing design and in setting challenges for myself as well. Overall, I feel like this was a pretty fantastic first season, if I do say so myself, uh, but I hope you enjoyed it too. I feel like we got a good lay of the land here of a bunch of different sizes of tech companies, different like industries that they're making products within, uh, the designers on the marketing team having very different responsibilities across all the different companies that we talk to. For the next season, I really wanna make sure that I'm bringing you stories from tech companies who do things a little bit differently to what we heard about in season one. I don't want you to listen to an episode and think, oh, that's the exact same as this other company here. You know, I wanna bring you interesting, unique processes so that we can learn from each other and uh, perhaps find some new things to implement ourselves. I'm sure that every company will have something that they do a little bit differently. So if you work for a tech company, as a marketing designer, or perhaps you know, you're somewhere else on the team and you wanna recommend a marketing designer from within your company to be on the show, I'd love to hear from you. If you do things that you think are a little outside the norm, tell me about those interesting things. Come on the show, let's talk about it in detail. 
because there's thousands of people who are really interested in in hearing about that from you. If you head to insidemarketingdesign.co and go to the about page, you'll find a form there to fill out if you are interested in being featured on season two, which will come perhaps later in 2020 or if not early 2021. I really do hope you've enjoyed this first season. It's been so fun for me to produce and uh, I've absolutely loved getting your feedback as well. It's meant a lot to me to know that I'm not the only person out there who is wanting a show like this, who is just desperately wanting more insights and more detail about marketing design and tech companies. So thanks for tuning in everyone. Thanks for listening and supporting. I appreciate you all. If you've missed an episode, you can find them all at insidemarketingdesign.co. And remember these episodes, you can listen to them as a podcast in whatever podcast app you use, or you can watch the video as well. It's up to you. As always, I want your feedback. Like I said before, if there's something particular you learned throughout listening to season one that you've made a change to your process because of, please reach out to me and let me know about it. I'd love to hear. With that said, that's all from me. Thanks for listening to season one, and I'll see you sometime in the future for season two. Bye.